My name is Jenny Hinchcliffe, and this is Senders Receive, a podcast about mail, art, and the people who make it happen. Broadcasting from beautiful San Francisco while bringing you stories and experiences of postal moderns and mail art mavens. Let's go ahead and bring on the show. everybody, it's Jenny here, and I'd like to take a minute to welcome you to Senders Receive, a podcast all about male artists and postal moderns. Today I'm doing a special solo show in celebration of World Collage Day, which will take place on May 8th, 2021. Uh, first of all, I just want to tell you a little bit about this solo show. Um, this is something that I'll do from time to time occasionally. I thought it would be kind of a fun idea to throw it out there to the Instagram world, uh, which is primarily where people can find out about Sunders Receive. And so I asked followers what they would like to know more about in regards to collage and how that relates to mail art and, um, you know, any questions that people may have about that kind of thing. So I received so many fantastic ideas and suggestions and questions. A handful of them I will actually be saving uh, for future episodes because I intend to keep this solo show kind of short today. I want to give a shout out to a couple of fantastic ideas that I'll definitely be exploring in future episodes. Uh, Instagram follower IAMPA which stands for International Association of Hand Papermakers and Paper Artists, had a great uh, suggestion about feminism and collage. Uh, This is an idea that I'm definitely interested in exploring, and I would love to, in the future, have a roundtable discussion with multiple people on the podcast. So stay tuned. Uh, Instagram followers Jelly Sock and Pamela Art in SF asked about friendships resulting from mail art exchanges and what kind of community building that creates. And I think, again, this is an excellent topic. It's something that I've touched on with upcoming interviewees. And so we'll get a little bit of dialogue about that. But I think it would be really cool to do a deep dive into the idea of kind of what happens when mail art folks correspond and then eventually meet each other in person or or they don't. They just develop, you know, really um, fruitful and important connections through the mail. So thank you all for your fantastic ideas and suggestions. And I definitely look forward to, you know, making these episodes happen in the future. So with that, on that note, uh, what we'll do is I'll just jump right in, as I often do, talking about World Collage Day. It's a celebration that's very close to my heart as a person who creates mail art but uses a lot of collage, always have. And so what is World Collage Day? I am happy to tell you all about that. Uh, It is an annual international celebration. It always happens on the second Saturday of May, and World Collage Day was started by Collage Magazine in 2018. If there are people, listeners, who aren't familiar with Collage Magazine, uh, I have to tell you, you should really run over to their website right now and check them out. I'll be sure to put their name and email uh, website address in the show notes. 
Collage is spelled K-O-L-A-J. They started and I think they're split between Canada and New Orleans. So they publish in Canada, but their editor lives in both Canada and New Orleans. Every year, World Collage Day via Collage Magazine encourages artists and institutions and groups to put together events um, and create gatherings, you know, both public and private, and then share these gatherings online so that ultimately people can see what other folks are doing in other parts of the world to uh, further the ideas and the goals of collage. So the magazine itself states that World Collage Day is about artists connecting across borders, and it's also a day about an art medium which excels at bringing different things together to create new forms and new ways of thinking. And I really, really, of course, love this idea. Um, the idea that through creating something, taking disparate bits and pieces and reforming them into something new, it creates a new perspective. And I think that is really, you know, one of the strengths of really good collage. So <clears throat> as I mentioned before, you can jump onto Collage Magazine's website. They have many events globally and nationally here in the United States that uh, you can participate in for free. Some even, most events are free, some events are pay, but there's something for everyone. And so that's part of the reason why I'm doing this solo show a couple weeks in advance of World Collage Day, just because I want to give you guys a heads up, <laughs> time, to, time to sign up and really uh, take a deep dive in. So now that we've spoken a little bit, I've explained a little bit uh, about World Collage Day, I'm going to dive into the questions. And before I do, what I'll say is that I received a range of fantastic questions. And <laughs> a couple of them, I really, uh, you know, I had to not only take a minute, but just think about what I wanted to say. So um, coming up, there are questions about uh, technique and materials and tools, which is always really great. And there are also questions about, you know, personal philosophy and things like that. So um, what I just want to throw out there to everyone is that the, you know, working practices and things like that, these are, these are my opinions and these are methods that I found work well for me. These ideas of mine are not, you know, like the one true idea that everyone should subscribe to. Uh, one of the great things about collage as a medium, as a technique, as an art form, is that it's really open to experimentation. You can really dive into discovering your personal style around it. So I'll be talking about some of the things that I like to do and things that I believe and sort of hold true um, in my own art practice. But, but know that this may not necessarily uh, resonate with you, or you may prefer a different exacto knife, or you may think that, you know, a different kind of analog collage is, you know, perfectly acceptable. So just know, <laughs> I just want to put it out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to make a sandwich, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So 
there's no wrong way. That in mind, uh, the first uh, question from, was from Instagram follower Just Tickety Boo, who asked, "How do you, Jenny, define collage?" <laughs> and so, I started with this question because I think it's a great place for us to start. So, I personally define collage as <laughs> this the sticking together of multiple papery bits or ephemera. <laughs> like there's something about sticking together. Like the glue part of this is super important to me. <laughs> and you know, somehow getting my fingers kind of stuck together with glue stick while I'm building up layers of paper and I'm, you know, picking and choosing different things to use. That's really part of what constitutes collage creation for me. Um, I prefer the analog collage process. So uh, what that usually means is things that are hand cut. So, you know, I'm using a pair of scissors or I'm using an X-Acto knife. Uh, my favorite kind is the Ulfa click knife. I glue by hand, I'll do additional flourishes with ink or paint or rubber stamps, and I prefer this analog collage method to digital collage. I, I know that that's a, that's a big uh, category, subset of the collage world today, but I, I really am, you know, sort of traditional about it, so that's how I define collage. For my collage, Instagram follower for my collage asks, what is your process like? Do you collaborate? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy, howdy. Okay, so my process when I'm making a collage, and it's kind of like this with everything, mail art, collage, whatever, I it always depends on, you know, like either the project or who I'm mailing to. So, you know, like, I just kind of ask myself a couple questions. Like, am I going to make a one-off, like an original, like a single collage, single postcard collage? I usually work small, so it's usually postcards. Am I going to make an addition? Like, am I going to make, you know, a dozen or 25? And so if I'm, if I'm doing collage work for a project that has a theme, well, then I'll pick and choose ephemera and papery bits that speak to that theme. You know, like if somebody, if I'm making something uh, and the theme of the project is, is birds, I'm going to start rummaging through, you know, my bits and scraps and, and kind of find as much bird stuff as I can. Cause that will really cause the spark, right? That'll get me going. So I pick and choose according to the project. If I'm working on an edition of something, I usually let my bits and scraps determine how big the edition will be. So, you know, for example, if I have 10 fantastic vintage bingo cards, then I'm going to make an edition of 10. You know, it's like, oh, I want to use these great bingo cards and I'm going to put a bunch of stuff on them and I only have 10 of them. So, okay, well, I guess I'm... I'm doing, you know, an addition of 10. And so the way that I like to work for me, because, you know, I have this partial printmaking background, for me, making an addition of something <clears throat> means that I'm making 
a group of things, in this example, 10, that are relatively all the same. So again, I would, I would start rummaging through all of my bits and scraps, and I would pick out things that I have enough of to make 10 of relatively the same thing. The second part of the question about collaboration, oh yeah, sure, of course. I mean, I love collaboration and I love collaborating with other people, especially when it comes to collage. I think it can really um, offer up a huge range of possibilities and inspiration, but also motivation. (laughs) Because if you're collaborating with someone else and you're sending these things through the mail, you know, maybe... Uh, You make two things and the person you're working with makes two things and then you mail them. You know, you exchange them through the mail and then add to those things. Um, There's kind of a, like a responsibility to finish, right? So, you know, you're, you're held accountable, (laughs) you know, in some ways when you're collaborating with another person. Collaborative collage exchange offers artists the opportunity to stretch in ways that they might not artistically be used to. Um, You know, if you're collaborating with someone and you're doing like an exquisite corpse collage project, you know, you never know what you're going to receive from that person. And that can be really exciting. So um, I love working that way. Some of my favorite collage projects currently, Geronimo Finn, who you can search him on Instagram. He does a really great passbook collage project. He will search out vintage uh, passports and uh, stamp books in flea markets throughout Europe. And then he will, uh, you know, sort of send them off into the world and, you know, people will collage into them and mail them on to another person. And eventually these, these, you know, vintage books find their way back to Geronimo. It's similar uh, in thought and ideology to the Thousand Journals project. Some of you may know that. I am also especially fond of R.F. Coates' Circulaire 132. I know that many of you may be familiar with that assembling zine. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And Reg does beautiful collages of his own. It's another favorite. Um, And some of you may know the male artist Schmuel. He lives in Vermont, and he... uh, mails out little tiny handmade books that he's made uh, two at a time and you contribute to both of them and mail one back to him and then you get to keep one. I love those little books. So so yeah, I find myself collaborating on a lot of different projects at a lot of different times depending on what arrives in my mailbox. So that's always fun. Uh, Wurlitzer World asks, is a piece that's only rubber stamped still considered collage. (laughs) Oh, Wurlitzer, you, I knew you would ask me (laughs) the stickiest question of all. Um, This question, of course, you know, I had to, it took me a little while. I had to sit and I had to think about it. Is a piece that's only rubber stamped still considered collage? And so (laughs) not only did I, did I think about what my answer would be, I spent a lot of time thinking about why my answer (laughs) is what it is. So in my opinion, a piece that's only rubber stamped, (laughs) 
<laughs> and it, it almost it almost pains me to say this, but in my opinion, a piece that's only rubber stamped, I wouldn't consider that collaged. And the reason why is again, there's something about gluing one thing to another thing that glue like that that binder <laughs> is a really is a really important element for me I mean it kind of took me a little while to come around to realizing this but like I mentioned before I'm I'm kind of a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to uh, what makes a collage a collage for me so the glue is important and I consider collages to be primarily paper-based primarily paper-based. So, you know, there can be additions of, you know, ink or paint or rubber stampings, you know, whatever people, you know, like to use, canvas or, you know, like three-dimensional objects. But yeah, for me, it really all comes back to that paper and that glue and the paper being glued to a substrate of some kind something that's a mashup of multiple rubber stamps, you know, like with masking and, you know, this creating of, of cool backgrounds and things like that. It's undeniably awesome. I mean, we all have seen and we all know and love people who do this kind of work. I, <laughs> I, I, I fear who I may be alienating and I hope it's not, I hope it's no one because, you know, I love all of your work. <laughs> I love all of your work and everything that arrives at my mailbox is always just so inspiring and wonderful. And, uh, you know, again, there are no wrong answers, so we can, we can disagree. That is a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> so Instagram follower, Michelle Wilson projects asks torn versus cut paper thoughts. <laughs> now we're getting into the, uh, like tools and technique parts of the show. Um, this is a great question. And thank you, Michelle, for uh, submitting it. I do have thoughts because that's the kind of person I am. Uh, I think that the torn versus cut question entirely depends on two things. And those two things are the materials that you're using and what you want the finished piece to look like. Right? So, you know, you kind of, I think if we're talking about torn versus cut paper, it's good to kind of have a <laughs> an end goal in sight, right? You know, the other consideration, because I said there were two things, the other consideration is that, you know, your materials are important. Some handmade papers, for example, are nearly impossible to tear. Like, you, you cannot tear them. And others tear really beautifully with a little bit of water, you know, you'll get like a fine feathery edge and that might be exactly what you want for your collage. So both of those options are fantastic. You know, you can, you may have to cut one edge and get something really clean and really smooth. You may be able to tear, you get a fine kind of deckly edge. Both are great depending on what you want the end result to be. I like to suggest to people if you are, you know, sort of like hesitant to just jump right in and do one or the other, you can do a little bit of a tear test, right? So you can try tearing your material, you know, maybe it's a vintage receipt, maybe it's a, you know, snippet of newspaper, maybe it's a handmade paper, but, you know, experiment a little bit. Tear and see. Um, 
because experimentation really is part of the process of collaging. Learning your materials and knowing how they will speak to you is a, is a really important part of this whole process. And that should be also one of the great fun parts of it as well. My next question comes from Instagram follower owned by Sheba, who asks, glue, exclamation point. I've tried three or four different types and still I'm not sure I'm using the best type for the job especially when sending things through the mail, or something like a collage that combines different types of paper? This is such a great question. (laughs) I think we all have this question all the time, no matter how long you've been doing this. So I have some suggestions, and I'm happy to talk to you a little bit about what I like to use primarily. I mean, the first thing I'll say is that I love this question because glues and all of the different types of glues, they really are like their own language. And (laughs) I well and truly believe that the way one becomes fluent in a language is by practicing, 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 and also by making some mistakes, because that's how we learn, right? So you become fluent in the language of glue by trial and error, and just trying stuff out. With that in mind, (laughs) you know, uh, here are some suggestions about what I like to use. In my own work, primarily I use glue stick. Again, I work small, So I find that glue stick works really well for me. If you were working bigger, for example, eight and a half by 11 or larger, you would probably use a different kind of glue. So just keep in mind that I work small. And so these suggestions may not apply for everyone. My favorite type of glue stick is the Scotch 3M permanent glue stick. It comes in a a red and white tube. And this type of glue stick is acid-free. You know, they all claim to be. But keep in mind that non-toxic, which they also list on the tube instead of acid-free, non-toxic and acid-free are two different things. Non-toxic means that if, you know, like your dog accidentally eats it, it'll be okay. They won't get sick, per se. Acid-free means that over time, the glue and the binder that they use to make the glue stick itself won't break down and become brittle or like yellow or get those weird stains that glue can sometimes do. That's why I like to use the acid-free glue sticks. I've found that the house, I call them house brand glue sticks. So for example, if you're at Walmart or Michaels or Office Depot, a lot of times they'll have a house brand of glue stick. I found that those don't actually stick as well. (laughs) It's weird, but, you know, I'm not sure why. I'm not a scientist, so I can't explain why some glue sticks stick better than others, but I'm certain that uh, if you, like me, use a lot of glue sticks and you've tried a lot of different ones, you've experienced this as well. So what do you use if you need something stronger than a glue stick? Well, that's a good question. I always tell people to consider your materials, your ephemera, your bits. What will you be gluing? What kind of paper are you working with? 
Are you working with something like a foil origami paper or a waxy candy wrapper, tissue paper? You know, these items would all require different glues. My general rule of thumb is that the more delicate and fragile a paper is, the less wet the glue should be. And the reason why I suggest that is because um, if you're brushing, for example, Elmer's glue, you know, you're using like a paintbrush, you know, like a watercolor paintbrush to brush on Elmer's glue to a super delicate tissue paper, it'll tear pretty easily and it just becomes a frustrating mess to work with. So, you know, in that case, I would definitely use a, a glue stick for something like tissue paper. But if I was working with something, you know, like a foil origami paper and I wanted to glue the foil side down onto my substrate, so, you know, watercolor paper or Bristol board or something, then for that, I would probably use PVA. Like my bookbinding listeners will know what I mean when I say PVA, stands for polyvinyl adhesive. And uh, there is a company sold by most art supply stores. No, sorry, there is a brand name sold by most art supply stores like Blick and uh, Michaels, I think, probably carries this brand called Lineco. And I'll put this in the show notes. Um, you can get a little bottle of Lineco uh, PVA for, I don't know, eight or ten bucks. And a little bit goes a long way. The thing you need to know about PVA is it's it's a wet glue, but it's a little beefier than Elmer's. So that's important. But also if you apply glue and you glue, you know, like you attach a layer of newspaper, you know, like, I don't know, a class photo to a piece of watercolor paper, what you need to do is make sure to put that item under weight and let it dry flat because otherwise the item itself that you're creating, the collage that you're working on, will have a tendency to curl and it'll warp. It won't, uh, it won't dry flat when you move forward to apply more layers. One of the other things I like to use, and this is um, <laughs> when I talk to people about this, they're, they either get behind it immediately or they're a little bit horrified. So I use double stick tape pretty consistently for certain things. Specifically, I love the double stick, stick tape that I find at Daiso. For those of you who are um, on the West Coast, you probably know about Daiso. It's, it's basically the Japanese version of a dollar store. And if you're in um, Asia or Japan specifically, there are Daiso stores all over in Japan and Tokyo. So Daiso sells double stick tape by the roll. And I find that it is far superior to the 3M, like very expensive stuff that you can buy. I love the Daiso double stick because you can tear it really easily. Um, I don't have to cut it. I can peel off the backing and, you know, it's just like bing, bam, boom, and I'm done. So what kinds of glues do I avoid? Ah, I have two big ones. <laughs> I have two big ones for you guys. I avoid Yes Paste. And generally, I avoid any kind of paste uh, because that does, over time, become brittle. It breaks down, it yellows, it stains. The crazy thing is that on their website and in all of their literature, 
they claim that this doesn't happen, but I am here to tell you that sadly it does. And the way that I know this is because one of my first bookbinding teachers swore by yes glue, yes paste. And so the early books that I made have now really deteriorated past the point of of saving. So, you know, I, I cling on to them because they're some of the first books that I made and I'm 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 proud of them because of that, but but it is kind of sad because the yes glue has has really damaged, you know, a lot of the the tip-ins and the collage things that I glued down. So if if you want longevity, I wouldn't suggest uh, Yes Paste. And rubber cement is the worst. It's the worst. Don't use it, okay? Just don't. It will just make you sad. The reason why is because rubber cement is incredibly acidic. And so in uh, even less time than the Yes Paste, uh, it will start to just eat away at your materials and it becomes this messy thing. So please don't use the rubber cement. Spray mount, oy vey. Any type of glue you can smell is usually a bad idea. The last question is by Instagram follower Stilla Ocean. How do people organize collage materials? How to tame the volume of incredible stuff that seems to find its way into one's workspace? Well, this is a question after my own heart. Um, (laughs) uh, Again, this is, I'm just answering based on what I do and what I know. Um, (laughs) I think that this is really entirely dependent on how much space how much time, and how much patience a person has. I've seen incredibly organized drawers, labeled file folders, clear plastic shoe boxes, and, you know, just like a variety of different methods of organization that have been implemented by artists who are far more organized than I am. I have some of that going on to a certain extent. You do need to know where to find things uh, in your workspace. After all, uh, you don't want to spend, you want to spend your time creating. You don't want to, you don't want to spend your time like getting frustrated because you are like, where did I put all my, where's all my striped paper? Where's all my ledger paper? Like it's good to have, I think it's good to have some sort of organization. Otherwise you just end up spending all your time looking for stuff. But that being said, I also find that part of my working process happens through this serendipity that I like to call magical intersection of creative chaos, you know, like, so in my workspace, you know, I have, I have like two wooden boxes and two cookie tins and, you know, they're like eight and a half by 11 big, right? And I just throw random stuff in there. Four things are filled nearly to bursting with, you know, ephemera and bits and cuttings and calendar pages and newspaper clippings and images that I think are interesting or, you know, like patterned wrapping paper. It's all stuff that's small enough because again, I work small. I work mostly four by six, five by seven, sometimes eight and a half by 11. It's all stuff that I can fit into these four boxes. And so that way I can just pull out a box when I'm ready to settle down and make a collage. And I can just start rummaging, making little piles and little stacks and, you know, kind of trying to create the order out of chaos. (laughs) So all of these wonderful 
colorful things that I've magpied together into one place, then I can just rummage around and I can really like experiment. I can see what looks good together. I can look for things according to a theme if that's how I'm working, if I'm working on something specific. Maybe I'm like, ugh, you know, I'm going to make a an edition of 10 and the, you know, idea behind them, I'll just use everything that's blue or Sometimes, <laughs> here's a pro tip, sometimes I just want to clean off my workbench, and so I'll set out five watercolor postcard blanks, four by six, and I'll just take like all the bits and pieces, the little scraps of tape, the like random postage stamps, whatever I have, bits and scraps on the workbench, and I'll just glue those onto the postcards because I'm like, I need to get this stuff out of here, <laughs> which I think <laughs> is truly a feeling we all have, right? Like, oh, I just want a clean mat to work on, right? So I don't know if that answers the question <laughs> about, about how I organize. Um, I guess it's a, it's, it's an additional peek into how I work. I guess when I organize things, I, I like to organize, but I also think that having a little bit of spontaneity and random chaos is good. And, you know, I also, I also want to say that I think organization is uniquely specific to the individual artists. Everyone is so different. And I think that everyone has their own system like that. You know, it's kind of like I was joking before, right? There's no wrong way to make a sandwich. <laughs> you know, like, there's only your way of organizing. And I would say organize as much or as little as you want, but really, truly, truly, the best organizational system for you as an artist, as an individual, is the one in which you can find what you need <laughs> at the time you need it. <laughs> so if you know you use glue sticks a lot, make sure they're always in a place where you can just reach for them and have them. If you know you like a certain kind of pen to address you know, your postcards, your freshly minted collage postcards, make sure you have that pen in a you know jar that's it's close to where you like to work. That's just working smarter, <laughs> not harder. Those are, in a nutshell, some of my tips and tricks and ideas around uh, collage and, and World Collage Day. I want to thank you guys for your questions. They were all super, super, super great. And I love hearing your ideas, your suggestions. And I also love the idea um, of hearing from you guys and, you know, with your questions, with your ideas. And so in addition to the interviews for Senders Receive, I'll be occasionally doing these solo shows, whether it's based on a mail art idea or, you know, something like this, a, a specific day that mail artists celebrate or participate in. And so um, I'll always be looking to you guys for guidance about what you are interested in hearing more about. I'll be back in another two weeks. That'll be May 6th with a new, fresh uh, mail art interview. So uh, be on the lookout for that. As always, the best way to stay current, the upcoming episodes and interviews, is to follow the podcast at Senders Receive Podcast on Instagram. I would also love to hear about your papery adventures that you have for World Collage Day. So 
If you participate in any of the Collage Magazine World Collage Day activities, or if you get totally inspired, you are having an event of your own, please, please, please be sure and post pictures of what you're doing. You can at the podcast. You can hashtag uh, Senders Receive Podcast uh, on Instagram. Truly, I would love to see what you guys are up to. I'm always super interested And so, with that in mind, I'm going to jump downstairs into the studio and I'm going to start some work on a collage edition to celebrate World Collage Day. Because, I don't know, now I'm inspired. I'm inspired by your questions. So, uh, without further ado, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen. See you all in two weeks. Bye for now. Senders Receive is recorded, edited, and hosted by Jenny Hinchcliffe, with many, many thanks to the contributors, artists, and interview subjects of Senders Receive. Our intro-outro music is by Kitsa and used as per the artist's Creative Commons terms. Additional info can be found in the show notes. If you're a male artist or postal modern interested in being interviewed for Senders Receive, I invite you to send an email to sendersreceivepodcast at gmail.com keep current on new episodes at our Instagram account at senders receive podcast. That's all for now. And thanks for listening.